Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Sadika Musa, lead analyst at Trustpilot and co-founder of Black in Data. Through Black in Data, Sadika has become a well-known voice in the space of DEI in the UK, and with only 3% of data professionals being Black, she highlights the fact that the work on diversity has barely started. In this episode, we discuss the impact of the lack of diversity on employees' confidence, as well as on their ability to be themselves in the workplace. People of color will find here tips to become more comfortable in a non-diverse environment, and organizations will hear about how they can become more inclusive. Hey, Sadika, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been long overdue, I want to say. We've been talking about that for a while now, but we are finally here. Welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Karen. I'm super excited to be here and it has been long overdue, but it's all in good time. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about a super important topic, but before we get into that, can I invite you to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm Sadiqa Musa. I'm a lead analyst at Trustpilot. I've been there for a little bit of over three weeks now. Prior to that, I was a lead analyst at The Guardian for four years. Um, yes. So I've been specializing in behavioral analytics for a very, very long time, understanding how our users interact on our website. And then we um, analyze their behavior in order to understand what they're doing and maximize our productivity and um, ultimately the revenues in the business. That's uh, one of the most exciting parts of analytics, I must say. <laughs> I love it. I, it. And every day is something different. I don't think there's ever a time where I've done the same thing twice. And it's always something that's like ravishing for me just to discover new insights and share that with the team. <laughs> that's really great. And aside from your job, you also founded Black in Data. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, yes. So um, Black in Data is just over a year old or a year and a half, actually. It's a community that I co-founded with Davina Nembard, also at The Guardian. And um, our original plan was just to provide a safe space for people of color to get together to discuss data and analytics if they wish to, or to discuss all other things that impact the black community. And so far we've got over 8,000 members and it's going from strength to strength. I have to say that the journey you've embarked on with Black in Data is mind-blowing. I remember at the very beginning how it started and where you're at, where you're at now, I am very impressed. So High five to you. You've done an amazing job. And High five to you, Karen. You were amongst <laughs> one of our first supporters. You were the number oh. one person that was constantly cheering us on and supporting us every leg of the way. So 100% thanks to you as well. Oh, thank you. Okay, so on the topic of Black in Data, 
uh, you've really defined your your mission there and it's so inspiring to see people actually taking actions on that and DEI has been doing the headlines for a while now but I do feel like and I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me there is a long way to go still um, could you tell us a bit what's your feel around inclusion in the workplace especially when it comes to data Personally, I don't even think we've even scratched the surface at all. So it's not that we've got a lot of work to do. We haven't even started. We've had over the past two years a lot of hype, a lot of organizations talking, but that's all that we've ever seen. I haven't seen any tangible action. I haven't seen any organization that I can pinpoint and say, yes, these people are taking it um, to the level that it deserves to be. At the moment, thinking about diversity, equity and inclusion is very much an afterthought. People just don't commit the resources or the time to do things like this, or it lands on the laps of people like me that Mm. do this on top of our day job and trying to juggle everything else that life throws at us. So in terms of, um, I guess, inclusivity, I don't think we've even started. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> I can relate to that feeling. And when you were saying it tends to land on the lap of people like me, I'm thinking like you're not busy enough <laughs> already. You also have to take on that. With that in mind, you know, we're working in this environment that is where we have to start the work on diversity and equi- equity and inclusion, as you said. Yeah. I mean, this has an impact on the individuals who work in these organizations. I guess a lot of the talk that's been going on as well is around the need for being able to feel authentic and bring your whole self to work and all these things. What's the the impact of the lack of inclusion in, in workplaces on the community, I guess? For me, it's it's a huge, huge impact on your self-esteem and the way you view yourself, essentially. So if you think about the, the average population, so we touch on the, the proportions. So as black people, we only make up 3% of data professionals. That's compared to if you look at where I am in London, where the last census that was conducted in 2011, black or ethnic minority groups make up 40% of Londoners. Mm. And that was way back in 2011. There's a new census that's about to be published soon. And I have no doubt that that number has significantly shifted. So we are truly, for organizations that are in these urban areas, they are not representing the communities that they're serving. So if you imagine you live in a vibrant, very diverse neighborhood and you step into the office and all of the sudden that representation is just completely wiped out. Your confidence is affected. Your ability to conduct yourself is affected. And then you just have to start mimicking the behaviors of others. So therefore, there is no way for you to truly bring your authentic self because you don't ever see your authentic self in the office environment. Uh, yes, and I can relate to that so much. I remember, <laughs> gosh, I remember, I think I've told this story before, once um so our former CEO came to Carlitics in the UK. Uh, so yeah. she said that if you don't see yourself in the shoes of someone else in the organization, so you don't see yourself sat at their spot, I guess, taking over mm-hmm. their role, 
then you're in the wrong organization. And I looked around and I was like, okay, there are people who are doing very interesting jobs here, but they are so different from me. And I felt so out of place. I know that it was not uh, meant to hurt anyone, but Mm. that put me down in a spiral of, should I work in data? Because as you said, 3% um, are black people and do I fit here? Uh, Is it where I'm meant to be? And I even try to go work in a different area. But thankfully, I I stayed in data and we're here having this conversation. So that just shows really the importance of Mm. role models and being able to see people you can actually relate to. Absolutely. I think when you don't see that representation, you don't feel like you have a voice. Or even if you do have that voice, you're extremely timid. You keep Mm -hmm. it suppressed. You then start eroding your own personal identity to conform with that identity that they think you need to to be. Um, So there's there's just so many things. I mean, the values that you have may be different from those of the organizations. So you don't quite know how to behave and how to act. And so you, you have that constant juggle of, that internal struggle of your true self versus the self that is um, the preferred version in the office, yeah. I would say. So what would be your, your best advice for individuals who, well, what would be your best advice to one who, I guess, to be able to become more comfortable in an environment that's not diverse? Um. So for me, I think, Knowing what your core values are and identifying those core values and absolutely do not compromise on those. So, for example, for me, my core values are my cultural identity, my blackness. That is something that for sure I can't hide away from. Like the moment you see me, da-da, it's here. So I own it, right? There's just no shying away from it. And then the second thing is my faith. People always say, Sadiqa, what is the headscarf about? Again, this is something that is intrinsically me. It is something that identifies me. That is my uniqueness. So again, that's something that I won't be able to hide away from. And I shouldn't be able to, I shouldn't have to hide away from these things, right? Because we do want people to bring their true selves to the office or bring their true selves every day to work. But I think really finding out what those values are and then find your community. So in the office, there will always be some, there's always going to be a tribe out there. Just seek them wherever they are. You might have groups that are formed in the organizations, reach out to them to see whether it's cooking that you enjoy or pets or something, some type of interest that is going to bond you so that you don't develop that feeling of isolation. I think that's that's quite important to become comfortable. And most importantly, as black people, when we are in these spaces, let's encourage each other. You know, when somebody is new to the workplace that arrives, say, hey, go out for a cup of tea or just chat by the tea point, something. Just really understand that it can be such an isolating feeling and think about how we can all support one another in that kind of environment. So I think those would be my top tips in terms of how you can become more comfortable. And um, I think another thing that has helped me along the way is actually being open to discussions before 
when people would start talking about, I guess, maybe racial issues or religious issues or anything that they may deem a little bit difficult, I would generally roll my eyes and think, you know what, this is not the time or the place. I don't want to engage. Um, but right now, I think, okay, I'm, I'm definitely leaning in. So I'm, I'm asking questions back. So when you phrase this question, what exactly do you mean? Engage in those conversations in a way that it doesn't feel like a battle or it's like a confrontational thing. Normalize having um, what they term difficult conversations. I think that has helped me in the past year or two. Yeah, that's one I, I should definitely take away. So <laughs> while you were rolling your eyes, I'm just running away. <laughs> I do not want to get involved. Leave me out of this. Um, but definitely, yeah. I think it's out of curiosity a lot of times. So it's not because anybody is going to be disrespectful about mm. it. But if they are disrespectful, that's when you take that note, right? Okay, this person is trying to be disrespectful. How do I disengage from this individual? But if it's coming from a genuine curiosity of wanting to know more, definitely continue the conversation and see where it leads to. Yeah, I will uh, let you know next time it happens. Yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> you hold me accountable for it. Yeah, I'll email you next week. <laughs> uh, right. So everything should not be on the people who are from the minority, who are mm -hmm. trying to fit in and be themselves at the same time. So how can organization become more inclusive? So you mentioned the fact that the work hasn't started, then there is a lot of talking going on, but not much action. So how do we, how, not how do we fix that? How do they fix that? So the biggest thing is they need to commit time and resources, hire professionals that it is their jobs to deal with these kind of things. It is not going to work by you just relying on your black colleagues or your people of colleagues, people of color to solve the deep rooted issues that you may have in these organizations. Just as I said before, they are already doing their day job on top of the additional work that you are asking them to do. And they may not, not even be qualified to be able to be doing these things. So really starting in by identifying what the root problem is, hiring professionals to, to actually do discovery work and give you recommendations on, in terms of what you need to do in your particular organization. And change must start from the top down. In a lot of places that I've been seeing, there's a lot of goodwill coming out from the analyst and the senior analyst. We need the CDOs to be into this. We need the CEOs of these massive companies to say, we are committed. We are going to put this amount of money for you know X, Y, and Z years. We want to see progress and track it. We're analysts. We need numbers. We need <laughs> we need to see where you are at day zero and where you will you where you'd like to be. Some projection. Where do you want to be? Set yourself a target. I'm all I'm all for that. Some people are against putting targets to these things, but then how do we track progress if we don't know where we are and where we want to be? That's the first thing that they need to do by identifying those areas and applying resources to them, right? And then focus truly on what it means to be inclusive. What do I mean by that? Like when I first started at The Guardian, I was shown into the prayer room. I was shown into the different groups of the black and ethnic minority groups. I was shown into the mother and parenting groups. So all of these different communities that exist in the organization shows me that they have a voice 
they are listened to and they are encouraged to talk about things that are important to them in their communities and up, give them resources, give them safe spaces where they can talk about things and they can identify areas of improvement or things that are not going so well to um, to feed back into policies that could intrinsically help with whatever the issue is within that organization. I think when you don't provide safe spaces or um, you don't encourage these communities, these problem the problem just continues to flourish. Yeah. And what we know is ethnic minority groups, we will just leave, right? So if you feel like you're just banging your head against the wall, you're not being listened to. There are deep-rooted issues in the organization, but they pretend and then they send out slogans about, you know, Black History Month or something that, you know, it just thinks one month in a year and then we've all solved our problems. No, it does not. It requires action for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know my views on that. <laughs> oh, yes, completely. I mean, I- <laughs> Let's celebrate us for a month. Yes, that's also good. But uh, it needs to be a sustained effort. And I think another thing that some organizations are starting to do right now, which I really do commend, is diversifying their hiring panel. So historically, it would be the same people sitting in the same format, asking the same questions and not really thinking about the wider spectrums of diversity. It could be from, you know, the ethnicity side, gender or even neurodiversity. We need to be able to adjust how we hire depending on the person that is coming through the door, because that's what we want to encourage. More diverse candidates that come with fresh ideas, fresh ways of thinking that will increase your revenue and ultimately help your business grow. So um, reviewing those um, hiring practices, how we select CVs and just the general well-being of people in the office. Couldn't agree more. And um, just, I just wanted to go back quickly to what you said at the beginning. So when you started talking about what organizations could do better and you mentioned hiring professionals that it's their job to actually look after these issues. Do you have any recommendations of organizations, of individuals that, that do these well, things? At the moment, I'm seeing wonderful things coming from Sastia Bala. Yeah. Um, you, you, she's a good friend of yours and mine, and she's doing amazingly well. Reach out to her. If she's not able to help you, she will definitely guide you to someone that is able to do that. It's about doing the research and doing the legwork. Right. In terms of hiring practices, Black and Data is helping organizations. So we're providing more diverse candidates. So ensuring that a diverse candidate pool is presented to those hiring managers. We are acting as a conduit to support that effort. But in terms of really understanding what cultural issues they are, I think that's that's definitely in the realm of SASTI and they should certainly reach out to her. Oh yeah, and Sasha was actually on the podcast a while back. Um, I will link her, I will link her profile to this episode and also the the that was a while ago now. Oh, I would okay. say at least a year or so because I listened <laughs> to that podcast from beginning to end. Oh, thank you. When it was data governance, it was data governance. <laughs> yes, and we did did we touch a bit? She was just touching my, my skin, my sorry. Yeah. Yes. Another amazing platform for women of color. Um, so now you touched a bit on um, Black in Data supporting with diverse um, hiring, so providing diverse candidates. Can mm. you tell us a bit more about how Black in Data supports organizations, but also individuals? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our key, our motive, like when we first started was really about curating a space. Our main focus has been providing a safe space for black people. That's how we started. And it just naturally evolved into this. Okay, we see the problem within organizations. How can then, how can we also support them? So I can break it down into the two. How do we support businesses? The first thing that is that we offer is the reverse mentoring. We have had so many people reach out to us to say, okay, we've got CDOs, we've got CEOs that are very much, um, I wouldn't, I don't want to say completely out of touch, but their worlds are so far removed from the black experience that they just, they need a friend. Okay. They need a black friend. <laughs> How can we hire one of those? Um, so it's, it's funny, but let me tell you this, Karen, it is working. I have actually experienced it myself. Basic things that you take for granted, or if you and I were to talk about you like, huh, they don't know this. I promise you, they have no idea. So you just form a friendship. You start connecting on a level and it seems to be helping bridge that gap of knowledge of the black experience. So that's something that we do for organizations and that seems to be working really, really well. Um, I've touched on the jobs board that we provide. So another issue that we had when I was trying to support um, organizations was, okay, you've got this fantastic idea, but where do we go to find black people? We do want to increase our hiring um, of a more diverse candidate pool, but we've been using the same agencies and they give us the same people. I said, well, there is your problem. You cannot expect to be fishing in the same pool and expect a different result. You're not going to get that right? Because the agencies themselves are reaching out to the same people. You're not, you're just not diversifying your search wide enough. So providing spaces like Black in Data, like women, um, black um, coding Black female, all of these different elements are available, increases their chances of hiring from our community. Um, we do that. And also the belonging element. So getting the numbers through the door is one thing, but Ultimately, what you want is to cultivate a culture of belonging where people would like to stay. So, so important. Thank you. I think that is the biggest thing for me. Oh, it's very yeah. easy for you to go through the door, but what can they do to truly be that inclusive space where you feel you can stay and flourish? So it's not just about staying and surviving. We want to stay and thrive. So we support organization in ways that they can um, achieve that yeah thank you so much for for sharing that um so you said about how you wish you support organizations today but how can organizations support you so organizations can choose to partner with us so partnering is a commercial partnership where um we do provide them a service and then we get paid that is so important because it enables us to continue hiring people that will support our cause so sometimes people say well you sh you should be doing this for free right but this is the problem where black businesses have always been exploited over time we want to stop that cycle this is work it takes a lot of time for us to find individuals to then recommend them to create curated policies for you it takes a lot of time and effort and you are benefiting financially benefiting from all the work that we are doing so why should that not why shouldn't we be remunerated 
right? I, I um, have to say, I find it a bit disrespectful because yes, it's not your full-time job, but you are putting a lot of work in there, supporting companies, helping them get better. So of course yeah. they should pay. Thank you. I agree. Um, I guess there's also the sponsorship element as well. So we've started the Teens in Data program where we actually go into secondary schools. So um, students between the ages of 16 and 18, and we teach them um, code. Well, not really coding. Well, it's a workshop. They already know how to code because they're data science students. So the workshop is like a five-day workshop on football analytics. They get to explore the data, visualize the data. And at the end of the five-day workshop, they present the data back to us as if it's like in a real world, real work environment. So those um, workshops that we run, we need sponsorships in order to continue to support those um, schools because we just don't feel like charging schools for things like this, especially because we are going to deprived areas, schools that are already having their funding costs. They just cannot afford to pay for additional um, analytics training for their students. So, yes, so they can partner with us commercially or they can also provide us with sponsorship for the programs that we're running. All right. That's uh, that's amazing. So many great things that you're doing. Uh, And I will link up your website and your contacts in the show notes for everyone to to be able to contact you if they wish to. But to close the episode, um, could you tell us what you're learning at the moment or are interested in learning about? Yes. So I know I just said at the beginning that I'm my third week at Trustpilot. What am I learning? I'm learning Looker. So I came from a Tableau background. <laughs> I came from a Tableau background. I'm like, look at what is Looker. So I'm learning Looker. I'm learning Amplitude, um, Confluence pages. I've never used those. But what I will say to you, the most important thing that I'm learning right now is how to be a great people leader. So I'm leading a team of three fantastic analysts, some of them based in Copenhagen, so different parts of the world. So having to learn each and every one of their strengths and their weaknesses, and for me to learn how to best support them in terms of the the technical skills that they need, some of the softer skills that they may need, and also just knowing them as individuals and understanding what their values are, um, really allowing them. I talk about flourishing. Flourishing should be for everyone. If you are a people manager, you sh- it is your sole responsibility to make sure the people that you're managing are growing, they're developing, and you should be able to go away for a week and the whole department runs smoothly. That's how, how you know you're doing well. So that is currently what I'm learning to do. And I think it's the best part of what I'm learning. Oh, well, that's uh, that's great. And we are so aligned with the importance of learning and development and helping your direct reports develop. That's something I value a lot as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Sadika. It was really amazing chatting with you. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.